This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online to view their inventory at rbcarcompany.com. All right, a lot of glitches have now shown up. It wasn't just an isolated incident in Antrim County, Michigan. For those of you who don't know, Antrim County, Michigan is a huge, it's not huge red, it's not large in size, but it's a huge red county. And it went for Biden, uh, overwhelmingly, except it didn't. There was a glitch in the Dominion software. So local district officials said there was some kind of a glitch. They uploaded an update to the software the night before the election, which you never do. Once testing is done, you leave the machines alone. Uh, they, they uploaded an update, and they had a glitch uh, the next day. I know that Michigan election officials were saying it's not a glitch. It was an accidental accident. That is a quote. <laughs> an accidental accident. No, it was a glitch. Now, whether or not it is simply a, an innocent error in the software or it's more nefarious, I'll leave that up to you. And when the Antrim County thing was discovered, you know, I, I pointed out at the time we thought it was only in 33 other counties in Michigan. Turns out it's in more and it's also used all over the country. So there is a real concern with the Dominion software. And here's the thing. Antrim County could have been an isolated incident. We said that at the time. We don't know if this is just an isolated incident. It could be user error on the end user. It could be an actual glitch with the software because of this update that they did. You know, it could be something else. We, we don't know. And I, I made it very clear to you that we had no evidence that it was uh, we were having those glitches in any other parts of the country. That's no longer true. It happened in Oakland County, Michigan. It flipped a race where a Republican actually won, it flipped it to the Democrat. Now, this, the thing about this is it doesn't seem to have any rhyme and reason which elections it picks. So it does appear to be a glitch. It's not like it is flipping a lot of uh, the races just down ballot. It, it seems to kind of jump around. Uh, we've also found that it did it in Wisconsin. And we also know that Fulton County in, in Georgia is doing a recount because there was a, I don't know if that was because of Dominion, but there was a miscount in Fulton County. So now they have to go through over 100,000 ballots there. It, there's a lot of weird stuff that is going on. But the glitch from Dominion software is now in multiple states, in multiple counties. And everything that I have seen shows it only benefiting Democrats. That doesn't mean that we won't discover later that it has caused this effect to happen across the board. Uh, but here's the thing. If you have the software that has had glitches in multiple places and flipped elections, you know, it's not just a little innocent glitch. It has literally changed votes from one party to the other. If that is happening in multiple locations, you have to assume that it can happen everywhere the software is being used. And it has to at least be evaluated and looked at. That is obviously going to take a lot of time. It's going to be a lot of effort, a lot of time. Um, there are, it also, that's the software that went down in, uh, was it, uh, it was it Georgia or North Carolina? It went down for two hours. And when it came back on, all of a sudden the, the state had flipped. I think it was in Georgia. So this is, again, 
Um, it's it's not a conspiracy. It literally happened. The question is, to what extent is it happening? Is it enough to flip an election uh, for the president of the United States? That that becomes the obviously the lower elections are hugely problematic right now because we have it at least costing. Well, it's been corrected, but at least costing local uh, officials a potential loss. So if that is the case, you know, in other places that the software is being used. That certainly has to be evaluated because in Antrim County, it flipped the race for multiple people who are running for office. In Oakland County, it did it with at least one candidate. They're still evaluating. Um, There's a lot of weird stuff. But here's the thing about this. When you have so-called glitches or anomalies and they only appear to be benefiting one party, regardless of what is actually happening... The impression is something's up. If you've got this software only benefiting Democrats in multiple states and in multiple counties, if you've got 40,000 votes automatically just showing up out of the blue for Joe Biden, none going for Trump, Uh, if you've got cases where over 100,000, I'm not talking about the Michigan error that was being fixed. And then you start wondering, well, what's going on there? Now, for the record, some of this stuff could be perfectly legitimate, but it doesn't look good. And it's a process of the way that the election is handled, the way that the election is counted, the way the way that the people who are voting for one person who are seeing absolutely no balls bounce in their direction. They're seeing absolutely nothing benefit them and 100 percent of the corrections, errors, glitches, anomalies, 100% of them are benefiting the other guy, you can't blame them when they look at it a little cross-eyed and wonder what's going on, especially given over four years of a coordinated effort to lie about the president in at least two attempts to remove him from office unjustly. So you have to, technically three, But you look at uh, the way that this is all shaken out, you can't blame people for starting to wonder what in the world is going on. Uh, You're looking at uh, real-time vote counts suddenly dropping for Trump, being added to Biden. Uh, There is a missing number of ballots. Again, there are a lot of errors, okay? There's a lot of errors that happen and that need to be corrected. And a lot of this is legitimate. But it doesn't look good, which goes back to my point. Nobody has faith in the electoral system anymore. You have to change the way we conduct voting. You have to. It has to be modernized in a way that is uniform. Everybody is doing this pretty much the same way. And I know that there will be those decentralized arguments, but you can decentralize it and still fix the system. But when you, you can't blame people for looking at it and, and the ball is bouncing right for the other guy 100% of the time and wrong for your guy 100% of the time. You can't blame those people for being skeptical of the results. Now, the Trump campaign has filed a lawsuit in Pennsylvania. I already broke down a little bit of the Pennsylvania case in the first part of the show. This part of the show is that they, uh, they are alleging... In Pennsylvania, the creation and implementation of illegal two-tiered voting voting system for the election. So the campaign announced the lawsuit in Pennsylvania yesterday. Voters in Pennsylvania were held to different standards simply based on how they chose to cast their ballot. This is an interesting argument. 
and we believe this two-tiered election system resulted in potentially fraudulent votes being counted without proper verification or oversight. Now, that is the general counsel, Matt Morgan. So they're seeking an emergency injunction. They want to stop the Pennsylvania officials from certifying Joe Biden's victory there, which you can't do until all of the uh, the votes are counted, which Pennsylvania is not done counting anyway. And the outstanding votes could still flip it back to Trump. Uh, but they're still filing this anyway, uh, assuming that it's still going to continue to favor Biden. Trump's general counsel explained Pennsylvania's uh, two-tier voting system at a press conference. And like I said, you know, if you have one set of rules for one voter and another set of rules for another voter, you create a two-tiered system. They're making that allegation. We'll see if that holds up in court. The Pennsylvania House GOP has called for a legislative-led audit of election of the election, and they have demanded that results not be certified. They've also demanded that electors, the Electoral College, who actually picks the president in December, um, that they not be seated until the audit is complete. Now, you have to understand, Pennsylvania is still very, very close. So it's <laughs> the outstanding ballots could easily flip this back to Trump's favor. Uh, if you think Pennsylvania is done, you're wrong. Uh, there's not much else I can say. You're just you're incorrect. So we continue to look at this uh, with these lawsuits. Uh, Michigan, there's several lawsuits. Arizona state represent uh, representative is now called on the Maricopa County GOP chairman to step down upon news that she did not show up to certify the Dominion voting machines. So you've got you've got um, a county that is red and had problems on election night had to wait for the results of maricopa county to come out and the chairwoman of the gop there never showed up to certify the voting machines <laughs> uh, you're starting to see where this is going people are looking at this going what in the world is happening yes there's a lot of a lot of things that are appear to be conspiracy that are not there are a lot of things that appear to be ineptitude Okay, but there's also some legitimate concerns about illegal ballots being counted and also glitchy software. The attorney general Barr has authorized federal prosecutors to pursue, quote, substantial allegations of voting irregularities. Now, I keep seeing that there are people out there go, I don't see any any evidence of widespread voter fraud. All right, cool. Define widespread. That becomes the thing, define widespread. Because if it's widespread in a district, it's not widespread in a county, and it's not wide, sometimes, well, it depends on the county. But we'll just say, if it's widespread in a district, it's not widespread in the state. And if it's not widespread in the state, then it's not widespread in the country, right? But it could be enough to flip a state. So people are using these qualifiers, always try to tell you to pay attention to those qualifiers, those self-exonerating plausible deniability statements what constitutes widespread if wayne county i'm just theorizing here because there's no doubt some weird shenanigans happened in wayne county if wayne county committed voter fraud to flip the state blue in michigan is that considered widespread voter fraud if it only happened in wayne county the press isn't locking anybody down on this, by the way. What we do have is we do have evidence of glitches in the system, 
that impacts multiple races, multiple counties, multiple states. To what extent? We don't know. Is it widespread? Define widespread. We do know that in some states, they're trying to count ballots that arrive too late, while in other states, they're trying to prevent ballots that arrive too late from being counted. And different states have different rules. So I understand that, but there has to be some some at least discussion of that and why that strategy is happening. But there is anomalies. There are glitches. There are issues that keep showing up. The roughly 10,000 ballots in Nevada that appear to be, according to the Trump team anyway, appear to be issues of people voting who don't live in the state. People who moved out of the state, have a timeshare in the state, that sort of thing. Because remember, they did a mass mailing of those ballots. So it went to every address. That's that was the problem with the mail-in ballots. Is the ballots went to every address. They didn't you didn't have to request a ballot and prove that you were a registered legal voter. They just blanket mailed them out. That is the issue. And I, look, I already told you, um, I got ballots for Michigan. Not in the general election, but in the primary. And there are other states that handled it a little bit differently. And so people who should not have gotten them got them. And if you got them, eh, you fill them out, you send it back. What's the worst that could happen? So that's that's the stuff that has to be sorted out. The real question is how much of it happened and was it enough to sway the results of an election? That becomes the big question. But there is no doubt that your big media in the United States did try to steal the election and may have been successful. I'll explain why. Coming up, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Hey, if you want to watch the radio show live on video, you can go to dlive.tv slash Casey, the host. We are broadcasting live right now. If you'd like to check that out. All right. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this. I thought this is a pretty interesting article from Newsbusters. Uh, big media and big tech stole the 2020 election. They wrote this yesterday and I would like to remind Newsbusters, too, that the election isn't over yet. Does it look like Biden's going to win? Yeah, it does, but it's not over yet, and Trump does have a path to victory here. A new post-election poll from the Media Research Center conducted by the McLaughlin Associates Group, which is a big firm, shows that 36% of Biden voters were not aware of the evidence linking Joe Biden to corrupt financial dealings with China through his son, hunter 36 percent didn't even know about it now again when you have joe biden running around saying oh this has all been discredited and the intelligence community has said that this is all a russian hoax which never happened that was a lie that never happened but he said it and nobody in the media called him out on it not a single person in the the traditional big press and hold on a second joe um the intelligence community has verified that all of the documents are authentic and they are investigating your family right now. You're listed as a witness in one of those cases, as a probable witness, I should say. Um, and also, the, the assertion that intelligence officials said that this was a Russian uh, conspiracy or disinformation campaign is also not true. The former intelligence officials that signed this letter who have no access to the evidence, Joe also said that they had no evidence that it wasn't true. 
So why are you why are you lying about all of that? Not a single person in the press did that. You imagine what would have happened in the minds of American people if you had just a single person in the news media that was interviewing Joe Biden with this stuff say that and actually point that out. It could have changed some minds. You never know. Could have changed some minds. I again, my opinion is tribalism, you don't care what the criminal act is as long as your guy wins. 13% of those voters, 4.6% uh, of Biden's total vote, say that they had they say that they had known these facts. They would had they known these facts, they would not have voted for Biden. So 36% say they didn't know it. Okay? But 13% of those so 13% of the 36% say they would not have voted for him had they known it. Uh-huh. Such a shift away from Biden would have meant President Trump would have won the election with 289 electoral votes if you extrapolate those results out. So, a uh, nationwide survey of 1,000 actual voters, including early voters, was conducted November 2nd through the 3rd. Voters were asked about the bombshell reporting from the New York Post. Uh, at the time that you cast your vote for uh, president, were you aware of that evidence? Holy smokes. They had no idea. And that's why the Ministry of Truth is so dangerous. When they control and they censor, you know, you got doctors now from the, uh, the White Coat Summit saying, hey, during COVID, they censored medical doctors, and now they're censoring the president on, elect on the election. It's true. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Casey Hendrickson. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Got a text message earlier that said Buchanan schools, Buchanan community schools closed due to COVID by order of the health department. Um, I just found out that my daughter's school is 100% virtual starting tomorrow. So a lot of these, these schools are starting to uh, close down. So I assume that that'll probably be the case for most of the rest of the year because they say, at least with... Uh, my kid's school. I don't. I don't know if it's district wide, uh, so I won't tell you further details on that. But uh, the the kids can come back on the twenty third, but then Thanksgiving is only a few days after that, so they'll extend it out to Thanksgiving, um, and then when they come back, it's like, well, Christmas isn't that far away, so I might as well just extend it out to that. <laughs> so. Um, I would assume that my, I don't know for sure. I'll, I'll give you the updates. And I, some of you are obviously dealing with your own school, uh, individual schools and school districts doing their own thing. But uh, I would assume that my kid's probably not going to see a classroom until next year. That would be my assumption. Um, they say the staffing shortages are the, the big issue there. So there is, there is that. All right. I know. Again, I know a lot of you are dealing with it, and and probably have even even worse situations. Probably been on lockdown for a while, but uh, that's what we're at. So we'll continue to give you updates as best as we can here on ninety five three MNC. Uh, what else do we have here? 
And we'll do more election stuff at five o'clock. Uh, I want to move away from that. But now let's let's talk a little bit about COVID. We're talking about school closures and, and things of that nature. So one of the one of the issues with Biden's transition team, his COVID team, is Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel on there. You've heard me rip on this guy quite a bit uh, over the the course of my career, but people are angry, I think, for the wrong reason. So Dr. Ezekiel Manuel has been added to the Biden Biden COVID team, his task force, if you will. Uh, now, he is the chair of the Department of Medical Ethics and Health Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. All right. Now, in 2014, this is why people are mad. In 2014, he wrote an article saying that he hoped to die at 75 because it was immoral to live beyond 75. That's essentially what he did. And, you know, people are really upset about that. The whole death panel thing is coming back. And and while I can appreciate people being a little concerned that this guy thinks it's immoral for you to live beyond 75, which for the record is the target group for COVID, pretty much everybody else is uh, low risk, um, that, that concerns a lot of people. And I, I can appreciate that. I can understand that. But I also think that he was making just, you know, he was making an argument and making a case, and that's not an official policy position. Uh, what I find more, far more concerning about Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel is that he wants to go on lockdowns for 18 months. That's the problem. Forget the 2014 essay that he wrote about being immoral to live past the age of 75. My issue with him is that he wants to be on lockdown for 18 months, which for the record is has zero medical, well, what's the, credence? I, I, there's, there's no reason to do that. We know it won't work. We know it doesn't work. We know that the lockdowns don't work. We know that there is a mutated version of it that is causing these infections. But I also wanted to bring your attention to something else. Now, yesterday, I pointed out that Dr. Fauci, back in July, told you that I was right about new COVID cases. Of course, nobody else gives me credit, but at least Dr. Fauci did back in July. So here's additional information along those lines. All right. So again, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, yes, he wrote the thing in 2014. Is it slightly concerning that he might think it's immoral to live past 75? Maybe uh, you could argue that he's just, you know, he's pontificating. He's putting forth an argument for debate. You could argue that. And some people have. But the issue that he wants 18 month lockdowns or has wanted 18 month lockdowns and is a, a huge lock proponent should scare the bejesus out of all of you. Because there isn't any medical reason for that. There isn't any positive outcome that comes from that. None. Zero. Zilch. It will kill more people than COVID will. It'll destroy the country. It'll destroy livelihoods. People's mental stability is going to go all sorts of haywire. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you have to understand something. There isn't any serious, credible medical uh, virologist, epidemiologist, or anything out in the world right now who says that's a good idea. The WHO, which Joe Biden says would be the first thing that he does is get us back in the WHO, which also doesn't make any sense. Uh, they're telling you that the lockdowns need to stop. But let's let's go over here. I want to just take you over to a, an article here. Uh, remember what I said earlier about American media ignoring European media? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Joe Davies, 
Official data is exaggerating the risk of COVID, and talk of a second wave is misleading, according to 500 academics, to Boris Johnson in an open letter attacking the new lockdown there. Now, this is in the Daily Mail. Official data is exaggerating the risk of COVID-19, and talk of a second wave is misleading. Now, for the record, I have been quoting on this show for you for months prominent epidemiologists and virologists all over the world that are telling you the second wave stuff isn't what people are saying it is. The media's got it all wrong. The doctors and scientists said the government's response to the coronavirus pandemic has been disproportionate and that mass testing has distorted the risk of the virus. Correct. I broke down, was it last week or was it the week before? I broke down the death rate. April 15th in the United States is the worst day. That's, you, you have to look at the death rate. The death rate is really the number that matters the most here. The virus is getting more infectious, but less deadly. So as a result, you're going to have more people that get it. There's some people who think it's eradicated influenza, that we don't need to have the flu anymore and we would never have it again. I, I'm not on that camp, but there are some people in the scientific community who think that COVID is an invasive species and has killed off the flu and that this is now our seasonal virus. Anyway, these doctors said tests are likely to be producing high numbers of false positive results and the government must do more to put infection and death rates within the context of normal seasonal rates. The letter criticized the government's handling of coronavirus for causing more harm than good. Now, this is in the UK. All of this information I have been telling you is true in the United States. And I've been telling you this for months, and I'm not pulling it out of my backside. I am simply telling you what the air quote experts are saying. But because of this hyper-political uh, election that we had, and, and if, if honestly, if you do not think that this virus was covered and portrayed to the American people differently than it would have been in a non-election year, you're insanely stupid. This would have been covered in a completely different way, with a completely different lens, still critical of Trump still distorting and lying about Trump's record, but it would have been portrayed to the American people by the media in a different fashion. And everything that I have told you comes from the experts, not some blog somewhere. I don't give a crap what Alan says in his basement. But if I'm going to pass something on from a prominent epidemiologist, I am taking a credible person who has a point of view and I'm giving it to you. Why? Because nobody else is doing it. And then you can make up your own mind based on the data. But this is, you know, this is 500 scientists and medical professionals who are writing to the prime minister. Um, and they're saying, you cannot keep doing this. Everything that you're doing is wrong. Uh, we have Oxford University. They've got their top uh, infectious disease experts saying that the governments of the world have done a terrible job of informing the public about their actual risk from COVID, which for the record is almost nil. But Casey, people are dying. Yes, they are. Relatively few people are dying. Doesn't minimize their, their life. 
and they are dying within a certain specific category with a very rare exception, mostly because of an undiagnosed condition that is on the outset of that, which, of course, the media pounces on. See, a 22-year-old can die from COVID. Oh, they had an undiagnosed heart condition. Okay, well, you know, let's not talk about this story anymore. You know, obviously the virus is real. Obviously, there is a a group in our country that is at serious risk of this, but it is not being portrayed to you in the correct or accurate statistical fashion. And as a result, the public is being spoon-fed a distorted version of reality, and they are being, well, they're being scared into compliance for things that don't make any sense and won't actually work anyway. For example, lockdowns and masks. Casey, masks work. Cool. Explain to me why mask mandates did not prevent a second wave anywhere in the world. If you can do that, I will concede the point. But you can't, because that's the factual reality of what happened. We don't know why that happened, but we know that mask mandates did not prevent the spread of the virus. Otherwise, we wouldn't be dealing with what we're dealing with right now, would we? More coming up, 95.3 MNC. Well, I've got several Marines telling me to pass on happy birthday to the Marine Corps today. So happy birthday, Marines. Got people asking me if John James has been affected by the, the voting glitches in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, he has been affected a little bit. Um, he's still projected to lose, but he has joined with the RNC with a joint legal fund to challenge those results. Uh, his race is a lot closer with Gary Peters than the presidential race uh, is as well. So, you know, we're watching all of that. There's still several other races that, that have to be dealt with. Uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll, we'll go over what's happening in California. Pretty interesting stuff in congressional races in California. Uh, the University of Wisconsin researchers have been surprised by a study that they have just done. Now, this is researchers at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. They said recently that they were, quote, they said recently that they were, quote, surprised to learn that students enrolled in the university are not racist. <laughs> I, I, folks, you can't make up this lunacy. They say they were surprised that students who enrolled at the school were not racist. There was a study that was conducted by a psychology professor, and there were student participants. They were all analyzed as they interacted with students from different minority backgrounds. Because remember, how you interact with minorities is, is what ultimately is going to decide if you're a racist, even if you interacted in a totally normal way, but there might have been a microaggression. You're a racist. According to a report by Campus Reform, a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison claims that he was surprised to learn that most students do not treat her uh, treat their minority peers worse than their non-minority peers. Yeah, that's because America's not a racist country, you dink. Stop swallowing wholesale this Marxist nonsense. This is what class warfare that the Marxists use is. They've just extended it out beyond financial class, and it's now about gender and race and any other class that they can throw you in. The psychology professor is Mark Brower. He conducted this study to determine the frequency 
by which minority students were on the receiving end of offensive comments. Did you do it in the reverse? Because I don't think you'd like the results in many circumstances when you do it that way. You might find that, well, things are actually relatively equal. To conduct the study, the students at the university were examined as they interacted with minority student actors in scenarios that were devised by Brower. You realize this psychology professor devised this experiment to get a result, and he couldn't even get a result. So it's already an unethical, air quote, study. It's, it's really not a full study, but it's already unethical because you're trying to determine your results by pre-planning all of this. We were surprised by these results. We tried out one situation, then another, and so forth. But study after study came back with the same result. Most students did not treat our white actor more positively than the black, Asian, or Muslim actors. Again, because Americans aren't bigots. (laughs) The fact that this, this psychology professor is shocked by this tells you just how ingrained this nonsense really is in our society Uh, the researchers also concluded that as little as five percent of the observed students treated minority students worse than non-minority students which again could very well be a reason that has nothing to do with race it's (laughs) but you know, how do you how do you control for that? You can't. So, you know, there you go. So, <laughs> oh my God, I don't uh, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't. I really don't. They they are they're that lost in their own world. They don't understand what is actually happening. More coming up.